There's so much beauty and joy and freedom in finding that devotional life. The devil works hard to make sure that we are not fully authentic friends, so it takes work, it takes sweat. If you're just going to sit there and sob about the circumstances that you're in, nothing's going to change. The practice of our faith is a daily thing. The natural order of relationships are towards chaos, disrespect. But Christ absorbs it and returns that with love. When we face suffering, we want to like, we want to fight. We want to just lash out at the world because we're in so much pain. Your life is not your own to do with what you please. It was bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. You actually do not have the right to do whatever you want to do. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a mess. (laughs) Welcome back to the Armor of Light podcast. My name is Brady, joined as always by James and Jared. Today we have a special guest, the one and only BP. Brian is joining us to talk about... Uh, life after college, how to grow in our faith and sustain our faith, even when we're not surrounded by a community, uh, how to grow intentional community in the workplace, and just how to handle the different challenges that the quote-unquote real world brings to um, you know, a faithful Christian. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's been a real blessing listening to you guys at work. You guys bring a smile to my my day every time I listen to you. Just You goofballs just laughing. Um, so it's, it's a real honor to be on this podcast and speak about what my life has been like after graduating. Sweet. So, Brian, before we dive into our conversation, we have a mailbag question. All right, let's get into the mailbag question. This question is from Samantha from Rochester, Minnesota, and it says... I was interested to hear your interpretation of anti-heroes, especially the neutral to negative opinion of the Joker movie. It is my opinion that Joker plays the perfect character of a broken character in a broken world. If you look at his character, he is fighting his view of evil in his own distorted way due to his brokenness. Do you think the movie intends the viewer to truly cheer for the Joker or sympathize with his wounds and brokenness? So this is referring to our previous episode with guest Allison, and we talked about uh, movies and, and uh, the Christian portrayal of movies and just kind of morality of, of different kinds of stories. And yeah, we talked about the Joker. Um, Brian, how might you, how, what do you think Samantha means by that question? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think like my interpretation of the Joker movie is, like you really get to see like real human life. Like you see the Joker who like his, I don't even know what his like real name is, Um, but like his goal in life is to be a comedian. Um, But he has like the stutter and it's like tough for him. Cause like he wants to do, like he wants to do this like good noble thing, but the world kind of beats him down and like beats him into this like distorted, like sense of like need for attention and like chaos and destruction um see like i don't think like i don't really see myself rooting for the joker like whenever he's like killing people i'm not like yeah he's killing people it's awesome um it's like wow like he's been hurt so bad like this is what he thinks is like the right and like just thing to do um so i i I don't really see it as like a movie like cheering for the hero more as like a world like 
or more a movie that in like embraces like our broken world and how like the world like separated from God only brings like chaos and like destruction. Yeah, I think the movie does a really good job of showing the brokenness of the world. But I think Joker says the just thing to do is to make the world burn then at that point. The world is broken. It's not redeemable. Burn the whole thing down, which is obviously not what we want um, as Christians. Uh, The core tenet of Christianity is, yes, the world is broken, but it is redeemable. I think the Joker is almost like the, the antithesis of Christianity because yes, he sees the brokenness, but his solution to the brokenness is to blow the entire thing up. I don't know if you guys. Yeah. I I think you and Samantha are giving the Joker too much credit. I think that the movie is set up so that, cause it's still a story, right? Like there's still a hero who faces adversity and then there's like a resolution, right? The context of the movie is this person uh, who, yes, is broken, who, yes, you know, the world is beat up a a ton, but by the time there's resolution, it feels, the movie makes you feel like there's a sense of justice that's been served. But really all that's happened is he's murdered people and a bunch of crime has happened and like he's he's setting up a, a precedence for the rest of the town to like revolt and destroy the city. So... I do think the movie compels you to be satisfied as if there's some sort of resolution at the end for the sake of like justice on the part of the Joker. Like he, he got what he deserved. Um, but what he got was not a good, it shouldn't be considered a good thing. So I do think it is like a, yeah, you find yourself sympathizing with and rooting for the villain who should be the villain. Do you think it's possible to sympathize with the Joker without justifying what he did? Because I think, I guess I don't know what the definition of sympathizing with somebody is, but it's impossible to watch the movie without feeling bad for the guy. But I think you can feel bad for him without saying he was justified in everything that he did. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where Samantha is kind of going to it. And I kind of agree with what, what she's she's asking here is like, you can sympathize with his situation but disagree with like his means for going about that. Like obviously like the correct way to handle these like destructions, like this brokenness is like to turn to God, Uh, but this is a secular movie. So of course they're not going to do that. Um, So I I guess my opinion on it is like, you can see the brokenness and like, you can see it's kind of a portrayal of like what not to do um, instead of like what a portrayal to do. Like, like some of your conversations in season two, episode two, talking about like the good Christian themes in the movie. This is kind of like the anti-Christian theme of like what happens when you don't turn to God and don't trust in like him and trust in yourself and your chaos. But wouldn't you say that like you get to that? I mean, I think we all can arrive at that answer, like where we want to revolt, we want to just burn everything down. I'm sure we've all been at that point in our lives where like everything is just seems to be stacked against us and we have those kinds of things. But when we arrive at that answer, we need to know that that's not the answer that we need to go with. And I think when you have as the resolution, like you said in the movie, the resolution is revolt, burn the thing down and 
that's how it closes. And if you've been sitting this whole time sympathizing with the Joker, um, like understanding that he's going through this struggle, and then you that's the resolution that they come to. If you like like we're in a normal hero movie, you would see that villain side and you'd sympathize, you'd feel bad for him, but then you know that his end is ultimately wrong. Where um like in Joker, that is the resolution climax of the film is when he burns the place to the ground. Maybe this is just me having a over over generous heart, because um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think it's very similar to um, when you guys are talking Star Wars with Anakin Skywalker and Dark Vader. Um, I think the Joker movie cuts off before they show his like redemption. So I guess like my my thought process on like the Joker is like you see like his like origin you see like his like destruction is like all this like chaos all this like bad stuff but like there's like that like religious part of me it's like he still can be saved like there's still a chance for like redemption um even though like we don't see it in like the movies like there, there's always that like hope that desire um so maybe i guess like your the biggest problem with this movie is like how, how do you guys see it as like more negative is because like you don't see like that redemption side of things and maybe well, we know there's not much of a redemption side because, like, obviously it's not set in the same kind of universe as other portrayals of the Joker in, like, previous Batman movies or anything like that. But we know that the story is leading up to him becoming some version of the Joker that we see in the comics, who is the villain in, you know, the Batman world. So, like, you'd have to do a story all the way after all of that. And then you maybe he gets redeemed, like, but that just doesn't happen. That's there's, not part of his story. There's a chance, man. There is a chance, but after the Joker movie, we know what's to come. We know he's going to be this like mob rule, mafia crazy guy. See, I I can I can understand your point. So I, like, there could be exactly if we didn't know who he was becoming. But does the Joker die? I'm not a comic book nerd, so like I don't know. Does the Joker ever like die in the comic books? Because maybe uh, I'll write like a, a postquel. <laughs> whoa. And there'll be like redemption for the Joker. I know. I can think of two ways he dies. There's like the injustice uh storyline, which is where um he tricks Superman into killing his wife and child, and Superman kills the Joker and goes on a rampage and takes over the world. And it's like evil Superman. Uh, and he takes like the justice league with him and it becomes, you know, injustice league. Um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a cool story. But then also I think there's one where, um, I think Batman kills him, but like he goes too far and Batman kills him. And then he releases some gas and Batman then becomes, like a version of the Joker. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, he's already died twice, so I guess I can just write a third story where he dies again and gets redeemed. I'm sure there's other yeah. versions. But that's <laughs> Both Death without version. redemption. <laughs> Both without redemption. I'll, I'll, the, I'll write a third one. In The Dark Knight, doesn't he kill himself? Doesn't he jump off the, the movie? movie? Yeah, in the movie. No. No, he's still alive. He's laughing. Like, he jumps off that building thing and she's like, ha, 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 ha. Well, 
he gets thrown off because they're fighting, and then Batman grapples him. Batman's not gonna let him die. He's not dead at the end of the movie. No. no. Oh my gosh. Because like, there's this like constant imbalance between Joker and Batman that like, like the immovable force mm-hmm. meets a unmovable object. I think I just said <laughs> I just said the exact same thing twice, but you guys all know what I meant. Because <laughs> um, like the Joker's always gonna cause chaos, but Batman's never gonna kill the Joker. So like, there's just like this little dance going on. Yeah. That's why it's. Uh... One of the greatest movies ever. But, okay, so, back to Darth Vader. Like, the Joker movie, you're saying, is like Anakin's story. Yes. Okay. When he's doing all the thing, like, murdering the children. Yeah. But, like, there is no Darth Vader to to the Joker. I can agree with that. That's why Darth Vader's awesome. I know. I guess I'm just, like, trying to fill in that redemption, you know. It might happen. Okay, if this was, like, a real person, I'd be more inclined to, like, be on board with you, but that's the character itself. Is, 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 he's evil. Well, Samantha, I hope this, uh, <laughs> this discussion answered your question. Brian, do you, do you know Samantha? I don't, but she's, a, she's from Rochester? Yeah. I think, should we ever send in her number? Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, uh, yeah, I'll text you. <laughs> what's your what's your address just yeah just just send your address in. <laughs> is that editing sound effect <laughs> no it's i think what like you like you ask the question and you like edit like and then you put like the the, the conversation that'll be one of our sound after bites now <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I feel like I need some water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is exhausting. Want some? Yeah. This is going to be a mess. (laughs) Are you okay if I drink off your spigot? That's fine. Gurgle it. (laughs) (laughs) You like half waterfall. (laughs) Yeah, I was like half. Dude, I'm just here along for the ride. I just want you guys to tell me what's going on. The whole point of secretly like getting into it. Is to have a natural flow. Oh, so I've kind of destroyed this podcast right now. Yeah, we're going to have to right. stop right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's yeah. It's on fire. I'll, I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show, guys. <laughs> Come back next week. Thanks for a blooper episode, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, what is this going to be like a 20, 20 minute episode? L- little short guy? <laughs> <laughs> Just little clips. So, I guess maybe we'll start with who are you? Um, so my name is Brian. You're Brian. You used to be our friend here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Like, do you want me to like and then give? You me... Left us. What What are the rules? Can I like say like? <laughs> can I say like my last name? Do I like just say my you first can, name? Like, can you I? Can say your first you can say first you can get name as and personal as you want. Can I address like Father Kyle as Father Kyle or like? So that's just like a my my like, priest back home. I think we've already. We've already, I think we've already we've broken already that wall. Him, so you okay, can, cool, yeah. cool. Just trying to get these like like these mm-hmm. these, these words and rules yeah. down. Just yeah. don't tell them what building we're in. Yeah, just no addresses. <laughs> <laughs> so like, if you guys ever want to like, need Samantha coming and knocking down. Our door. <laughs> yeah, Samantha. If you're ever looking <laughs> for for some hot guys, um, <laughs> every time you do that, I have to edit more. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of great singles there. <laughs> well, I, I kind of can figure like all the stuff we've been talking about is kind of unusable. <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> Most of the podcast is unusual. <laughs> so, you used to go to school here with us. You used to be my roommate. 
and then you left us. Yeah, so I went to Iowa State from 2017 to 2022, um, and yeah, li- lived with Brady for two of those, one year, two years? When did you move um, into the house? One and a half. One and a half years. Um, lived with a lot of other great Catholic guys um, in what was called the Fratican. Um, just a lot of great times here at Iowa State. Um, yeah, enjoying college, but... Now, now we're off to the real world. How's that? Um, yeah, it's been really good. Um, definitely there's the challenges of being in the real world, but it's definitely a new adventure. Um, I think, especially my last semester of college, um, I was kind of getting to the point like where I was ready to leave. Like, wasn't ready to leave the people, but ready to move on to like the next stage of my life, um, especially with, like, I don't know, making making money and, like, preparing for having a family and kids and stuff. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was just time to kind of open up that next chapter, um, especially it was really especially hard to leave all the people here at Iowa State, but um, trying to grow a new community in, in Cedar Rapids. How has that been going? It's been honestly going really well. Um, I've had a ton of blessings. Um, there's been a lot of struggles with it as well, but... Um, yeah, my, my original goal was to move from, from Iowa State to Cedar Rapids and copy and paste what Iowa State was doing, copy and paste like the amazing community um, we've all experienced here and just paste it over to um, Cedar Rapids. But I realized pretty quickly that um, everybody isn't college students um, and everyone doesn't have the same free time. Um, you actually honestly have kind of limited free time once you graduate. Um, so trying to use that effectively to... To, yeah, see people, like, it's not like you can have, like, small group come awake, um, Thursday night liturgies, like, people aren't willing to attend all those things once they graduate, so it's, it's much smaller, it's, it's difficult to get them to come to, like, one thing a week, um, but it's been slowly building, um, been working at it for eight months now, um, the first probably, like, four to five were very difficult, um, very small, but it's definitely growing a ton. Um, huge blessings. Just some amazing guys I've had a small group with. And you started that small group, right? So you did. You took the first step that a lot of people don't take. <laughs> a lot of people complain that they don't have community, but then they don't do anything about fixing that. Yeah, so, it, so the small group started with basically four of my friends from Iowa State who were in the Cedar Rapids area, kind of just like got together. Um, two of them are married. One of them has a child, um, so it's pretty difficult trying to find actual free time. Um, so a lot of weeks it just ended up being me and me and one of the other guys like just talking, talking life. Um, we didn't really open up the Bible a lot at first. Um, it's kind of just like our, our one night a week kind of set aside to be intentional, talk about like real topics. Um, but then through some amazing blessings, um, I had some connections to reach out to one other guy. Um, who I knew was in Cedar Rapids. Um, he joined our small group and then um, was at a Theology on Tap, which is like a speaker. Um, they give you free alcohol. Well, they give you one free drink. We're responsible Catholics here, right? <laughs> um, um, and just had like three or four guys we were talking with like at our table. And um, one of the guys from my small group was like, hey, like, are you part of like Brian's small group too? And I'm like, um, no, like they're not, but like they should be. 
Um, so that gave us like three or four more guys. And then um, just kind of inviting more people I kind of meet along my way, either if it's like through work or like older connections, like Knights of Columbus, old high school friends. Um, and I think we're up to like around like 15 or so guys, like in our group chat um, with like seven or eight of them coming like pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been definitely a struggle. Um, a slower process than I was expecting, like eight months in and we're kind of finally to a point where I'm like, yeah, this is, this is really good. Um, but I come home a lot of nights from our, our small groups, just thinking about how much of a blessing that community is. Yeah. And I bet that can be really discouraging for a lot of people because eight months in, at least in college terms, eight months is basically your entire academic year. So taking eight months to get something started would be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it definitely, definitely can be at times, especially when like you're so fired up about like, Hey, like I want this community. Like I want to like be super close with people and like have those like deep conversations. Um, I found like, it's kind of, you kind of have to go through like a phase of things. Um, like when you first meet people, you go through like that awkward, like, Hey, like how do we even interact? Um, and then you get to this like, kind of like friendly stage where like, your friends, your cordial, like you like talk on like the street and stuff or like you talk in like your small group, but that's about it. Um, and I think the biggest challenge is trying to push beyond that um, to like deep, like authentic friendship where like, you're like, hey, like let's like push each other, like become better men. Um, so what I kind of found like with that, like the way I structured my small group originally was like the first first week of the month, we had like a fun activity. Like we'd go to a park, like we'd grill up some burgers or like throw a Frisbee around, like. Uh, we do like board games or like something that was like fun. Um, the second week was like a Bible study because like obviously Jesus stuff is great. Um, the third week was our theology on tap night where we just all go to theology on tapped. And then like the fourth week was back to Bible study. So it really kind of mixed in like the two needs we have here. Like it mixed in the need for community, um, like fraternity, um, brotherhood, and then also like the need for like growing in our faith, like being intentional, like actually being good Catholics and reading our Bible um, instead of, you know, the connotation sometimes we give that Catholics don't read their Bibles. Um, Do you think your experience at Iowa State helped prepare you to take on more of that, I don't know, initiative to start that small group? Because you talked a lot about how you're going out into the real world as if college isn't the real world. Um, so if there are college students listening to this, like what would you tell them to prepare themselves to go out into the real world so that they can basically transfer their community here into the real world. Yeah. I would say like everything you're doing in college, um, all the leadership roles you can like kind of take on is like super important. Um, yeah. So I, I was like a small group leader. So like that gave me like the courage to like feel confident in leading a small group. Um, yeah, so it's, like, my, my, my structure for leading a small group is basically I just, like, pick up a Bible verse, like, we pick, like, Hebrews or, like, 1 Peter, and we just, like, read it and discuss it. I know other people have different structures. They, like, think of questions and stuff. But from my experience of leading a Bible study in college, um, those questions are, like, good and they're super helpful, but, like, there's enough to talk about. Like, the Bible is so rich, um, especially when, like, you have, like a, like, a personal prayer life as well. Um, you can like read the Bible and you're like kind of freaking out, nerding out about like literally, every, literally everything in there. You're like, okay, like there's like five things like I want to talk about from like this one like chapter of the Bible. Um, so yeah, I think like the main difference between 
the college compared to what I call the quote, quote, real world is in college, everybody's in the same situation. Um, everyone has classes going on. Everyone has like similar schedules um, where once you graduate and enter the quote, quote, real world, things get a lot messier, a lot quicker. Like people have different schedules. They have different events going on at night. Um, you have some people who are single. You have some people who are in relationships. You have some people who are married and some people who are married with kids. And that's a very different um, path or phase of life for people. Um, so just trying to figure out how to navigate that. Um, but kind of going back to your earlier question, like, yes, college definitely is a chance to kind of prepare yourself. Like, I think the most important thing in college is developing a, a consistent prayer life because um, that will kind of be your your guidepost or your, like your your anchor for everything you do in like ministry in the r- real world. Does anybody else have any questions? <laughs> or are... You're doing great, James. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, that, I think that that's the, the real important one is what are we taking away from what we learn here and how are we going to be able to take that, like transfer that leadership out of the St. Thomas community? Like we're, um, we get basically, you get thrown to the wolves if you don't have any kind of training at all. So like what, what ways have you seen? I mean, I guess we kind of reiterating, but like what ways have you seen that, like those pressures as you've gone out and like, let's say that you hadn't been a leader here for, for, four plus years how many years was it uh it was five before as a leader okay so if you didn't have those four years of training um like what would it look like but it, just like imagine that i guess yeah i think the biggest thing i'd be missing um without like those leadership experiences like not even knowing like where to start um because like having a lot of like experience like in and around like the church here at St. Thomas, um, there's just so many benefits of being like, okay, like I can use like this aspect of like this group that I was involved with, or like I can use this aspect of this group, or like I was at a student formation thing and they talked about this. Um, It just adds a lot more tools to your tool belt um, to allow you to be um, more active and like stronger in your ministry. So without those tools, I think it's will be challenging to just kind of, implement yourself as like a leader in the faith in your community um yeah so like being a leader in your in the community you you need to have those tools because like there's so many people who need jesus um and just haven't taken the time because this that or the other there's so many like people who like just need someone to like kind of take the bible open it up and make it a little bit more accessible because there's just so much rich history and tradition in there um, that can be a little bit overwhelming. So I, I think through through college, through like my formation at Iowa State, there's just been so many blessings that have like I've experienced things, I've grown in my own personal faith that has allowed me to like better minister to others. So what would you say, like you, you mentioned how there were some <clears throat> co-works that you had that were like Protestant and from other different faith traditions, what are some ways that you've been able to like, not like combat with them, but like being able to have those discussions with them at work um, in a mostly secular environment? Like, I guess it's similar to what we have here, but 
how is it different and how have you gone about that dynamic at your work? So I think the biggest thing, um, so I sit next to two guys at work who are both from the same Protestant church. Um, and honestly, I want to kind of caveat this, well, or like start this by saying like, they've taught me so much, um, especially one of them is just so good about like being bold and bringing up like Jesus. And like, I've like seen like the fruits of like how Jesus has just like been a part of like conversations at work, which has been like super strange to me. Like, cause like I remember going to like work, like work is work. Jesus is Jesus. Like they're separated. Um, but like seeing his like witness and like his willingness to like speak um, to like anybody be like, Hey, are, are you a believer? And like going and talk to them about that um, has been really like eye opening for me and kind of like transformative for me. But kind of go into like your question more how to like combat that and like kind of speak to like the catholic side of our faith um i I meant more so combating like the secular culture that oh the secular culture in general yeah i think just having the boldness to like ask people and like talk about jesus like especially like like not being afraid to like say like hey like this weekend like i went to um a retreat and i i got a ton out of it like i learn this about myself like jesus revealed this to me talk about like the graces and benefits of your life um i think the other other big thing to combat like the secular culture is just like to live like a joyful life Uh, i think our culture today is is so eager to be kind of like oh i get up i have to go to work i had to like i have to i have to like it's so draining and exhausting Uh, but that's not the life like Jesus called us for. He called us for to have life and have it to the fullest, like live life to, with abundance. Um, it's just seeing work as like a gift. And for me, um, the easiest way I've been able to do that is like through personal prayer. So my, my routine in the, my morning is I, I wake up, I go um, to my home parish and pray for an hour before I go to work. And that kind of just like gives me the fuel the whole day long to kind of like experience my day with like a different mindset. Um, to really like love others, um, and yeah, just bring bring God's joy and God's graces to the secular world, which I think is so so needed. Um, yeah, but I definitely think we're still still struggling with that. So a lot to learn. Um, definitely get so consumed by my daily work and don't don't live my Catholic life to the fullest. But it's a daily struggle, daily grind. So you talked about how your coworker, and you don't have to get too specific, but your coworker name drop him now. No, <laughs> was is really comfortable bringing up Jesus at work, which is kind of bizarre for me to think about because everyone says like, don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion when you're at work. But as G.K. Chesterton said, those are the only two things worth talking about. <laughs> so, like, how does gotta write that one on the board? Yeah. Yep. How does he bring this Tally. up? Um, I guess naturally, because for a lot of us. At least in school, we want to talk to people that aren't probably religious, but we just don't know how to go about starting that conversation. And it sounds like it's going to be even more difficult once we go out into the real world because everyone is caught up in their cynicism of the world. They're just going to work to get a paycheck. Yeah, I think like the way he does it, um, which is really inspiring. He's he's a very extroverted person. Um, He gets very invested in people. Like he starts talking to them like, oh, like how's like your family? How's like... So he starts off with like a personal conversation. Like he like gets to know the person. And then from there, like, cause everyone loves talking about themselves. 
everyone loves it. Um, so we asked him like a bunch of questions like, oh, like, do you have kids? Like, do you have this, like that or the other? Um, and then he goes from there. It's like, hey, are you a believer? And just like throws it like straight out there. And like, you'll be surprised how many times you're like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm go to this church over here, this church over there. Like, uh, it's like, there's like so many people who like, I think believe in Jesus or believe in some sort of faith, but it just, no one talks about it because it's kind of the stigma, like the secular culture. It's like, we don't talk about those things because like, there's that, that one in like 50% chance that, um, or one in two chance that like the the other person isn't like religious at all and they're going to kind of look down on you and it's going to change their perspective it's going to change your working relationship but i think just like having that boldness of faith like ask that question like not be afraid of like what it could do for your career like maybe you get like a two percent raise instead of a three percent raise because you're you're that weird jesus guy who's talking about jesus all the time but in the scope of life like that's that's worth it and to be honest with you, you probably don't know that you're going to get that 3% raise and you just get the 2%. You can, with Jesus, you can just be grateful for it. And in all honesty, like they might be the <laughs> other way. Like your boss might also be religious and maybe you get a 4% raise instead of a 3% raise. Like maybe it's like a bonding point between like you and your boss and you, you can kind of grow that connection. Um, no, definitely, definitely fear is kind of the stopping factor, I think, for, for me and a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing I think that. Or I, I mean, one of the things that Protestants do really well is they have that courage where it's like, um, I, Father Mike always talks about how if you love Jesus and you believe in Jesus so much, like, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about it? And it, and it's like, actually, the Protestants do that a very, a very well. They have that courage where it's like, they feel that joy that we feel when we have our faith too. Um, they feel that great joy and they just want everyone to experience it. And it's like... That's something I always find myself in prayer, like thinking about. It's like, why am I not spreading this joy that I have? Because everyone else should be able to experience this too, you know. And mm-hmm. and um, if I'm not as courageous as I could be, if I'm not taking those opportunities when they present themselves, then then I'm not doing anything. I'm not truly loving these people. Yeah, and I think it's easy to fall into the trap of. Um, getting like a sense of superiority when you think other people aren't religious at all, but you know that you are and you're too afraid to bring it up to them. But you're, it makes you feel good knowing that at least I've experienced this. It makes me feel good because I've convinced myself that I'm more religious than this other person is, even though I have no evidence that they aren't religious at all. But I say they haven't brought it up, so I'm not going to bring it up and that makes me feel a lot more, I don't know, religious than they are. That brings us back to last week with Skyler. Like mm-hmm. when I first met him and I, I said that I thought that he was some sort of frat party guy. <laughs> and then he came in and just knew like basically had read half the Sumer or something and, <laughs> and schooled me in that, that regard. So, <clears throat> But no, I, I agree with like what you're saying. Like it's so easy to like keep that to yourself like, like you're saying, like, I feel like I'm more religious than the other guys, so like I'm better. But like, he could be in the exact same, like, oh, I'm, I'm more religious than James, so like, I'm better. But like, why don't we just like bring it up and have like an open conversation? Neither of you are better if you're just going to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like, I think like the hard part comes in is like just that fear of like rejection. Like, you bring up your faith, like, you put yourself in a vulnerable situation, and then they're like, they respond to it like negatively. 
then you also kind of put yourself in a position like if they do respond negatively like you gotta try and like defend your faith and you don't want to be that guy who's like defending his faith and doing it like wrong and like putting heresy out there um Yes. Has anybody experienced actually a negative reaction to you bringing up the faith? Mm. I guess more just kind of like a drab, yeah, okay, kind of. Right, kinda, it's just kind yeah. of a, like a passivity, but not a... It really, yeah. It, it's not... The thing, when I've brought it up at, at work before, it's it seems like it's just kind of the side part of your life, and and it's not like talked about much further than a few sentences, so... Yeah, because it seems like the fear of people getting angry at you is almost we create that in our heads. Like how, people will people actually get angry at us for bringing up I, our faith? I very much don't think so. Mm-hmm. But like we go to that worst case scenario, um, and like I think what you're saying is like a lot of times it is just like an indifference. They like you put your heart out there. You're like, oh, like yeah, I'm Catholic. Like I went to mass. Like I experienced like these fruits from like the homily or like from Jesus like this week. And they're like, oh, cool. Um, what else do you do this weekend? And you're just like, dude, I just like shared like my heart and soul with you, and like I gave you the entirety of my weekend. <laughs> and he just and they Did just like kind of like ignore that, and so it's not like aggressive or like combative, but like it still hurts. I mean, I guess it probably feels like the rejection Christ felt at the cross. So, for any consolation that that can be. So, you're, just, you're saying I just need to get over myself and just, well, all of us need to just get, get yeah, over we, ourselves. We all need to get over ourselves <laughs> yeah. when that happens because sometimes you're going to strike out and sometimes you get a home run. Right. Oh, Baseball I'm, references. I'm I'm really good at, like, doing these conversations in my head. <laughs> like, I, I'm killer on my head. But then, like, when it comes to actually putting them into practice, it's just like, ooh. I find myself this having a struggle. like struggling asking good questions that like lead lead to answers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just find myself just being like, "Oh well, that's not what I think." <laughs> <laughs> See what I, what I found with like that is like I also feel like I'm 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 the type of person who I'm 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 a thinker. I like to like someone asks a question like we're having a discussion. I like to kind of like maybe like take like a minute or two kind of like consider what like I'm going to respond with. But, like, then the conversation's already, like, gone. It's, mm-hmm. so like, what I've found to be helpful is, like, you just kind of have the conversation. Like, you do you do the best, like, where you're at in the conversation. But then being, like, hey, like, I don't think that's exactly what church teaching is. But, like, let me look it up and I'll, I'll get back to you. And then, like, you come back with, like, okay, here's, like, the catechism, like, points. Like, here's what we actually believe. So then, like, we're not putting out there, like, things that, like, oh, these are the I thinks about the Catholic church. It's like, this is the Catholic church, which has been something that, that I've found super helpful. It's kind of taking a step back. Be like, I don't know. There's a lot of depth to our faith and it's, it's super hard to know all of it. Um, but I can get you that answer, which I think is one of the best things about the Catholic faith. That's one of the, yeah. The great things about having our faith tradition where we do have those things set in stone where, other faith denominations that could be one of the sources of splitting, you know, and they could say like, well, I know some Lutherans believe this, but other Lutherans do not. And other Baptists believe this and other Baptists, you know, are Puritans. And so you just have all kinds of different foundations where in the Catholic church, you have the one answer. You can't 
it isn't subjective. It's your single objective answer. Yeah, it's either this is the truth, this is what Catholics believe, or it's kind of heresy. Uh, well, yeah. No, <laughs> besides that, it's heresy. But there's also things that we have room to disagree on. Yeah, like that's well stated, and it's okay the gray to area. disagree as long as you don't break one of the other precepts or doctrines and stuff like that. So, like, there is freedom of thought in the Catholic Church. Um, My friend talks about that a lot. I like that. But there's there's doctrines and dogma and precepts that no every Catholic believes this, and if you don't, then <laughs> you are in. <laughs> but it requires a lot of humility. Going back to what you were saying, to tell somebody. I don't know that answer right now. And I don't know, that that's just tough when you're trying to prove like how much you love the Catholic faith. And then all of a sudden you say, wait, I don't actually know the answer to that. But ultimately it's not about you knowing all the answers. Like evangelization, it's not about us. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like it definitely is like a humbling, especially like when they're questioning you and like they're, they're, they're trying to do the exact same thing you're trying to do. They're trying to like lead you down like these paths of like, okay like why do you believe what you believe um but like every time i've had like conversations at work that i've been like honestly like i don't know the answer like it's been such a joy because like then i do go look it up and like i find the answer and it's like okay this is why like i believe what i believe because like there are answers to all of these hard questions and it's a learning experience like the next time i have that conversation with someone I'm, i'm equipped with that tool to be able to to have that conversation like pull that i'd be like, oh like yes it's at this point in the catechism let me just like read it for you um but yeah definitely very humbling and i think too and when we don't know the answer to some catholic belief or or theology like it's not about oh i believe this thing because i understand the theological and philosophical proof for it but it's because i assent to the authority of the church and so a lot of the times I feel like that conversation goes back to, okay, if you don't know why you believe that, why do you? It's like, well, I assent to the authority of the church and they know why. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, why do you do that? And then it gets back to the real core of Christ instituted church. That church is the Catholic church, the one universal church. Um, Plus the fact that there have been thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people who have thought about these same exact questions and come up with the answers for them so it's like i trust that these guys have been able to figure it out and i'll you know submit to them yeah it's super comforting too knowing that somebody else figured out the answer thousands of years before you because it's not about you and someone Mm -hmm. else can make you sound smart (laughs) <laughs> if you quote thomas aquinas or chesterton you sound like a genius <laughs> yeah and it's like it's good to come up with these questions it's good to read the bible and be like oh well what about this but i think it's a little prideful to consider that you're the first person to ever think that or mm-hmm. ask that because most likely there's a few saints that have written books upon books about it or maybe a council of bishops that have debated for 10 years over this question so you know if you if you look at the history of the faith and the tradition there's there's answers have come up and you know it's nice to be able to look back at that when you do come up with those questions so let me kind of transition this conversation um as soon to be new grads what are your like biggest like fears like biggest excitements about 
like moving on from the college to what is more like the the real world. I I don't, I don't know why I keep saying that. College is a real world too, but finding a job, finding a wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to being done with academics. Like this semester has been really rough, so I'm ready to close all the textbooks and never open them up again. But I guess what I'm kind of fearful for is just leaving the community. That is definitely, definitely going to miss that. Um, I'm looking forward to once I'm done with work and I go home, like I'm done with work for the day. I actually have time, but that means I also have to find something to do to fill that time. And if I don't have the community with me to fill that time, I feel like I'm just going to go crazy. So finding the community that will help me fill that time with meaningful things. I think for me, it, it's the community as well. Um, we're kind of spoiled here. Like I get to come to the lounge, the student, the Newman Center, the Catholic Church on campus and hang out with a bunch of people um, that I know agree with me and I know that believe the same things and are good people. And there's like no small talk really. It's just like all big talk. Like you go right into, oh, what are you struggling with? They're like, how is your faith going? How's your prayer? What sins are you struggling with? Those are the kind of things that we talk about. But then when we go, I'm, I'm fearful that when I go to work or, you know, the real world, that I'm just going to have to trudge through small talk and then medium talk. And then maybe with some of the people that I meet, I get to that big talk and I'm going to miss just going straight to the deep stuff. Yeah, I, I can definitely like relate with guy, kind of some of those fears is like you guys were mentoring, like the community, like, like I was saying with like my small group that I started, like we went through that awkward phase. You went through like the friendly stage and like, we're just now kind of getting to like that, that deeper, like more intentional friendship. But I think like the best like advice I can give for that. And this is just purely off of my experience. I'm no, no expert here. Um, it's just being vulnerable, being bold, like everyone's also looking for like that same thing. They're looking for a place to belong. They're looking for deep. No one, no one likes small talk. Small talk's boring. Um, people are looking to like have like real conversations, like being like the one to like initiate those um, and reach out to people and like, Hey, like maybe like you only like work with this guy like one time, but like he's your age. He seems pretty cool. Like invite him over to like your apartment, like have dinner with him. Like it's going to be super awkward maybe, but like that can like build and like grow. Um, into like something much more like fruitful and like change into like that big talk, that community. Um, so I think like the biggest thing like I've experienced and something I'm trying to get better at is like personal invitations. Cause if you like personally invite someone, like they feel like they feel that love um, that we all like want to experience. And it can be a little bit draining at times, like being always the one being the inviter, but that's how you're going to like grow that community. Um, and I think the other, the other piece of advice is like be patient um, obviously we have an amazing community here at our student center and it's not going to be, you move to your new city and overnight you have that exact same community. It's going to take a little bit of work, take a little bit of time to, to build up. But if you put the, the effort in, like, I'm sure you're, you're going to find those people who are looking for the exact same things you are, that good Catholic community. People are trying to push you to be better, strive, strive for greatness, not just mediocrity. And I think that that's one of the things that we get to have that privilege as, as men. We get to 
see that vision and see like what we like and we get to try to put that in other places too like not like exactly cookie cutter the same but like you said um you can start the foundations of those strong communities just by going out there and being who you were here and then see how people respond you'll eventually get more people and it'll build it didn't i mean this sta community didn't just build itself overnight um but the over the course of time it became a place where people came and people felt welcome and people felt made other people feel welcome and became that cycle eventually when we get into our faith communities wherever we end up it's going to be that same thing we just have that ability to implement those same characteristics of friendship and people will start to feel welcome they will start welcoming others and then all of a sudden you've got that thriving life and community in other places that isn't just the college church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about when we were freshmen, like all of our friendships started out as those super awkward, small talk conversations. And it wasn't until getting through that awkward phase that we became good friends. Like Brian was my Bible study leader freshman year. And I remember our first couple Bible studies was super awkward. <laughs> like trying to lead a freshman year Bible study is one of the biggest challenges in college because everybody is just so awkward and no one can get past the small talk but eventually you do and then we can do it is basically what I'm trying to say is we've gone through getting through the small talk before this is after college is just another another opportunity to go through that again yeah same thing when you were my small group leader I mean (laughs) you had a hard time getting more than just two people to show up. So <laughs> you was, and Calvin were the yeah, we were the only ones who would who would show up sometimes, and so it was trying to get that built up to a place where we could have fruitful conversations. I think it it was nice having both of us having like a, a deeper faith life in high school, so we were able to have those deeper conversations closer off the bat. But still, when the when we had other guys, we had to kind of like get them dug in. And I think one thing that's like really important during that time of like that awkwardness, like, so obviously like once you get like a fully functionally small group, like you're being fulfilled, you're being sustained like by like the group itself. Like you're having a great Jesus kind of, you're having good like Bible study, like discussions. It's like you're, you're filling, you're filling yourself up that way. But during that, like that awkward phase, like it's work. Like it's not, sometimes it's gonna be like, Hey dude, I don't, I don't want to go to a small group. Like I don't really connect with the other people. So it's like, where do you like get that, that source of like fulfillment? Um, and I, I think for me, like, it was just like prayer. Like I remember like my last like semester of college, like I had this huge vision, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do after college. I'm going to have this amazing, like young adult community. Um, and I started like asking like people like, Hey, like just like pray for like the growth of like Cedar Rapids, like young adult community. And like, it's one of like my consistent like prayers, like when I'm praying in the morning, it's like, Hey, can you just continue to help like the, the growth of like young adult community? So like I'm getting like that fulfillment and like filling myself up through like my personal prayer, which has allowed me to like pour it into like that small group. Um, so then eventually it can build on itself and they can continue to love Jesus more and kind of fill like me back up. And it's kind of like a continuous outpouring from, from one another, you know, kind of like the, the relationship between like the father, son and the Holy spirit, like a continuous outpouring of love between like the people in my small group. But takes a little bit of effort to get from 
like people not knowing each other to that kind of mutual sharing of, of love. All right. What is one thing that you would, that you wish you did in college that you think could have prepared you better for the real world? Looking back on it now, I'll put you on the spot here. I really think just like preparing better to defend the faith, um, like apologetics type stuff. I think I actually saw a podcast recently and they're talking about like how like the best way to do like evangelization is like you have your Bible in one hand, you have like the catechism in the other. And like in college, like I knew what the catechism was like the very like last like year semester, like I started like discipling um, somebody and like we were going through like the sacraments. I'm like, dude, I, I can like tell you what I've learned from like all my classes and stuff um, from like high school. I went to a Catholic high school, so I could tell you all that stuff, but like, I don't know enough to like just speak on the spot about it. So I started like reading the catechism um, and I'd like read like about baptism and then like kind of present it and like we have good conversations. Um, but I think just like doing more of that, like getting more into the catechism um, and just more into the Bible. Um, I think the two things that have like really helped me like over my last like year is doing like the Bible in a year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz um, and then currently doing the catechism in a year podcast and it's, it's like shocking how many times like I see that like hear a conversation like at work or like in my Bible study I'm like this relates back to like the Bible in a year podcast or like this relates back to like the catechism so I think just like the one thing that I wish I would have done more of in college is just like learning the faith learning like the key points that like you might have to like defend um, and maybe also like trying to get a better like perspective on the world I hung hung out at um, our Newman Center a lot. Um, maybe like trying to spend more time like trying to encounter people of like different religions. Um, There's a little bit of like echo chamber in my like college experience of like I always was around like Catholic people. So like we're always talking about like obviously there's disagreements. Obviously everyone doesn't think exactly the same. But like in general like the essence, the core is all the same. Like I wish I had some of those like more combative type friendships like we're like you believe like this thing i believe this like you believe um the eucharist is just like a symbol i believe it's like the true presence of jesus christ like let's let's go at it let's have like a three-hour conversation about this like i'll pull out the catechism um pull out some of those church fathers um i think think those type of things would have prepared me better for the real world but um i'm kind of trying to go through those those experiences now and kind of learn um what maybe i should have learned in college all right i got another question for you then Uh, i know a lot of college students myself included kind of dread the nine to five uh work work day because at college yeah we have an hour class or an hour and a half but then we get to walk across campus to go to our next class and while we may be working for more than eight hours a day here at college it's not the same thing for eight hours straight so how did you how do you motivate yourself or find find meaning in going to work for eight hours every single day um, sitting at a desk? Yeah, it can definitely be a challenge. Um, depends on like, the work. Like there's some days that just fly by. Um, I think I've kind of found personally, like when I have like a lot of like meetings or like interactions with people, like maybe not like formal meetings, but like we're down in the labs, like working on something together. Um, when I have a lot of like people interaction, the days like fly by, but like when I'm at my desk, just like doing like documentation paperwork, 
the days drag on and um yeah those days like are definitely hard to find meaning in um but like try and just get up walk around like find those conversation touch points um and like you're saying at college you have like 45 minute classes hour and a half classes and then you go walk from one building to the others um that's probably one of the things i miss most about college is like there's some days like I go in and if I'm busy all day, like I don't even see outside. Like I come outside, I'm like, it rained. That's weird. Um, especially in winter. Winter is weird. Um, you come to work in the dark, you leave work in the dark. Um, I left work a little bit early one day and one of my coworkers was standing outside just like, just soaking up the sunlight. He's like, this is the only sunlight I get all day. I'm like, um, so yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, yeah, it's kind of, set your own breaks in there. Like with college, like you have like 15 minute breaks between classes. Um, you have to realize, yes, I am still a human being. Um, I can't work eight hours straight, just no breaks or anything. Um, I need like every like two hours, to like get up, walk around, go talk to someone, have that kind of like water cooler effect where like you get to know your coworkers. Like you make your work somewhere where you feel like you belong. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. This was an excellent conversation. Thanks for uh, participating and we hope to continue receiving your mailbag questions even though you've been on the show um thank you all for listening and make sure to give us a good review or a like on wherever you watch and we look forward to having you listen to the next episode take care that was exciting well it was it was, it was a lot less like structured than i thought it was gonna be